So mummy's freaking out is so true because it's mummy's freaking out. Like, (laughs) I think even if you're not a mom or a dad, um, personally, you've had a mom or dad or some form of a mom and dad in your life, you know, even if you didn't know your biological parents, you've had some kind of figure who who's, yeah, or who's freaked out, like even teachers, like I, even my son, he comes home sometimes and says the teacher was freaking out today. (laughs) It was like, so you're listening to Empowered Podcast with Patrick McGuire as he has empowered conversations with great people doing great things and helping others. Join us at empoweredpodcast.ca. Hey friends, Patrick McGuire here with Empowered Podcast. Today's going to be a great one, a great conversation. I always like to say I like to have empowered conversations with great people doing great things to empower others. This one checks all those boxes, like most of our guests, of course, they always check these boxes. And, you know, I've had great conversations with Marie. We can't even remember how we got connected. It's probably on LinkedIn. And by the way, we are going LinkedIn live stream and then we're releasing the podcast later. So right now, if you are on LinkedIn, you're getting us live and we're here having a good time and we're going to enjoy this. But we got connected on uh, LinkedIn a while ago and we just started having a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Her background, in fact, I remember now that I'm thinking it through how I reached out was looking for people that were entrepreneurs, but also athletes. And I've had other conversations, as you may have remembered, with Stephanie Rudnick and and Shannon Ferguson. They're in the sports category and sports tech. And one thing that Shannon said a while ago was, you know, entrepreneurs are the athletes of the business world. And that's part of what I really love. And in my searching on LinkedIn, I was able to find Marie. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this is going to be so much fun. Um, she's got a great background. We're probably like kindred spirits type thing. We've had such great conversations. Um, we've had a lot of other conversations actually totally outside of this podcast conversation. But so with me today, like I said, is a kindred spirit, a kindred entrepreneur, someone who is passionate about things, um, from being a creator to a, a sports education person, to being in sports herself, entrepreneurship, and Hey, a little bit of service with the Royal Canadian Armed Service as well. So that's kind of a cool one. I like that. Um, some of you know I was a tanker, uh, wore the Black Beret, and it was kind of fun. But Marie Rolf, Marie is the founder and creator of Create the Most Joy. She's the author of Mommy's Freaking Out. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. And uh, this is how we first found each other kind of thing was I was hunting for the right person, but former Canadian pro beach volleyball player. Um, and you know what? She admittedly will say disabled chronic pain veteran. So Marie is a constant educator who is passionate about sharing and caring. And that's something that I absolutely love. That's the empowered life and empowered entrepreneur in her is coming out to help others. So Marie, thanks so much for spending so much time with me previous to this over the last few weeks. Let's get into this. Thank you for joining me today on Empowered Podcast. Thank you for having me, Patrick. And for those of you joining in on LinkedIn, I'm actually new to social media. I have waited it for 10 years. I did so quite successfully. Um, So to jump right in onto LinkedIn from a professional networking perspective, it's been instrumental in me connecting with like-minded people. So big, big up to LinkedIn for being a platform that really actually lives up to its original point of creation to connect professionals. And so thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And and I love the position that, well, it suits people like us, um, a little bit crazy that is, or maybe entrepreneurs, but they've, they've taken this position of creators and 
I, I have a former podcast and release video that we talk about that, how LinkedIn is where most of our friends and peers live. And we've found a lot of common people, actually, interestingly enough, thanks to LinkedIn. And they took this position where they opened up creator category. And creators is giving us this opportunity to have a live stream as a platform, which is really cool. But it really does allow us to connect with those that we're looking for, those that are peers to us, those that are looking for us too to connect and do business with. It's it's an it's a much better social business enterprise solution, I find. And I'm just really glad that we were able to connect on LinkedIn. And and just so everybody knows, this is not a LinkedIn plug. They do not sponsor the podcast. This is Empowered <laughs> Entrepreneur. This is what we do. But it just happens to be a great conduit for people that are like-minded in business and entrepreneurship. And I love the creator side. Um, Maria, I'm going to bug you a little bit. I'm going to dive back into uh, your sort of background and history a little bit. So everybody gets a good understanding of where you were at from being in education while being in school, I should say, to playing a pretty high level of volleyball and and then ultimately getting to, you know, creating mommy's freaking out. <laughs> um, Help us understand your educational path through college and even high school. But what was it like playing volleyball at the level you played at and, and carrying full course loads? And how the heck did you manage all that? Yeah, it might be helpful for people to know, too, that I'm 39 years old. So I have about a 20 year history we might be going back into <laughs> when I was when I was 18. Um, I had only discovered beach volleyball at the age of 15 and John Child and Marquise had just recently won the bronze medal at the wow. beach volleyball Olympics, um, which was the inaugural year for beach volleyball. And so there was this tremendous hype around beach volleyball. And I happened to be 15 when I discovered it. I started training with Ish Joseph and some very key players like hmm. Christine Drakeage was my first beach volleyball coach. And it really inspired me. It's like, imagine a child picking up a basketball for the first time and their first coach is Jordan. It's just, <laughs> that was the level of expertise. That was my first link into beach volleyball. So then within three years of training with Is Joseph and some of these wonderful athletes who had been giving their time to build up the sport of beach volleyball in Canada, I had been asked to play in a AAA event within three years wow. of having discovered the sport. Um, so it's really like, I'd like to say, maybe it's not necessarily a testament to my skill. It was really, um, a testament to the access I had in training and the people who are so giving of their time to build up the sport, um, here in Toronto and Canada. So, um, Melissa Human Paredes is the daughter to Hanan and he was the coach to John Child and Marquise at that time in the nineties. So he also as the coach to the Canadian men's team gave his time to us as young youth to build our skills. So at 18, while I had just reached this sort of like pinnacle of training, I also was run over and dragged by a car. Yeah. That, yeah. So just, <laughs> I know that's a big uh, piece of information when people hear it, it's kind of a gasp situation. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you because yeah, folks, sure. when she says she was dragged by a car, we're not talking a couple of feet. Maria, it was a little more than a foot or two, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 40 meters-ish. <laughs> yeah. So, so, <laughs> so maybe slightly painful and a little debilitating right in, you know, the, the height of a teenager, the height of high school, going into college and, and playing sports, like, what was that like? I mean, tell me about it. So 
at the time, because I was in very good shape, the relative impact didn't seem to be so great. Um, because I was able to walk shortly after, um, and I had road rash and kind of the things that one would expect from, um, being in this kind of car accident. Um, but I was diagnosed on scene at the hospital of having a defect in my lumbar spine and being 18 before the internet solved everyone's health problems. I didn't know what that meant. So a defect to me in my developing brain was, you know, a thread on a shirt that you could still wear right? or, you know, a pan that still cooked food. So, okay, I have a defect in my bones, um, in my lumbar spine. I could still continue doing the things that I wanted to do. So within three weeks of the car accident, our high school was in the city championships. I sort of stepped on to play a little bit with like bandages (laughs) and stuff, but just for like the novelty of being in it. But within six months of the car accident training with Ish Joseph, we were in the national championships in beach volleyball that summer. So I had gone from being run over and dragged to winning a bronze medal at nationals um, that same summer. I started this conversation saying that we're a little bit crazy. Girl, that is <laughs> yeah. crazy. I mean, debilitated, wiped yeah. out, run over, dragged. Okay, well, you know, three weeks later, we'll shake it off. And, you know, a couple of weeks later after that, we're going to go to the championships. <laughs> yeah. And my beach volleyball partner, Sehi Huang, I love her. She, we're best friends. Um, she also had a meniscus uh, tear in surgery. So she oh had, I had the whole back thing going. She had the knee thing going. And uh, so it was an adventure. You were the bad news bearers on the beach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Wow. So then from there, um, I had lost the opportunity to have a scholarship because I was offered a scholarship to um, a couple different schools when I was 18 before finishing my last year of high school. But then when they found out I was more than mm. likely not going to be ready, even though I ended up being ready, I took a year off high school and played women's volleyball. And so had a chance to be out of school, but play women's. And that really helped me with my indoor game because I was able to um, have a chance to be a setter. And I grew up in Scarborough. I don't know um, if many people on the LinkedIn platform or who will see this, but Scarborough is a an amazing place to live because there, it really is a hub of global humanity. And growing up there meant that we could have access to so many different perspectives on life and sport in this case for me. So I played with mostly women from the West Indies on the, on the team where I was. And because of that, one of the women uh, that was there, Nicole Nightingale, she was on my team and she was much older playing women's. And when I sent my scouting video back down to the U.S. during this year off at 19 years old, so I was like already older than most of the girls who were going to play varsity. Um, the coach asked if she could come as well. So we went down one year after this accident playing women's. She and I both went down to a Division two school called Valdosta State University. And so that began my my collegiate career at the age of 19, almost 20. So two years behind most U.S. girls. But totally on par with the Canadian kids back then. I mean, it's a little different. We all graduate in grade 12 now. For any of you young entrepreneurs listening or you young creators listening um, or watching this. But, you know, when we were growing up, we actually had to do this extra thing called grade 13. Some people now might call that a victory lap, 
Uh, we won't explain or dive into why we call it that. <laughs> but uh, so you were on par with the Canadians, but going down there, they're actually a, a year ahead of you at that time. So, all right. How did that feel? I got to ask that question because, you know, I got to do my thing um, and I was on par with everyone. But how did it feel being the one to two years older than the other junior varsity kids? Yeah. So speaking to anybody also watching who played varsity, understands the culture in the U.S. around scholarship living, um, I was so grateful to have my education paid for doing the thing that I love. Mm -hmm. So this jubilation um, was just overwhelming. Um, And again, coming from Toronto, it was really interesting to go to Georgia because there was still so much racial tension and segregation and pain wow. and hurt in in the culture between whites and blacks and i know this is still exists in our societies but coming from toronto and you know the black girls wouldn't talk to me and um you know everybody thought i was just like a white american and i didn't know how to receive that so actually there was like as much as i had all this excitement for the volleyball game of volleyball being down South on a scholarship, I was really hit up with the um, painful social dynamics between a lot of um, young whites and blacks and sports was really that place where community was built between the racial divides. that still existed 20 years ago. It's not that long ago. Right. Yeah. And I can see that. I mean, we know that happens in all sports and I don't care what anyone says. It's, it's those are the best for the positions to get them and we should not see color. And, and I say that honestly, because I try and help people understand that, that I really don't. If you're a great athlete, if you're a great coach, if you're a great entrepreneur, if you're a great founder, if you're a great CEO, you deserve to have that spot regardless, but that's not how it's been. And that's gotta be painful and stressful for, um, even today, but you know, 20 years ago, we know it was even more stressful. Um, yeah. So the girls wouldn't talk to you because they thought you were antisocial to color and race and creed and possibly other things. But in Toronto, it was very different. Um, but there was still some, some obviously segregation and stress there as well, but it was much better, of course. So you grew up, like you said, playing in Scarborough with a lot of the West Indies girls. Um, you really didn't see color, but you had a challenge there going forward in that, of course, going through education, tell me, okay, you're, you're down there, you're playing sports. And you're carrying a full course load. Now think back to that. I know it was just a couple of days ago, but um, think back to uh, what was it like being, you know, pro caliber athlete, if you will, being on scholarship and trying to carry that course load while playing volleyball. That's a, it's a big question because I think that oftentimes elite athletes have a background in perfectionism or in obsessive um, behaviors, which, you know, whether that comes from ADHD or just compulsion. And I'm not saying that these are good or bad. I'm not judging them, but it's like this constant urge to achieve, um, whether it's called the overachiever mentality. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic family. So my propensity towards performance um, was really in part, you know, at a young age, came from escape, the need for approval, Mm. um, the need for physical activity to feel grounded. So I had historical roots in those kinds of behaviors. Um, and 
me being able to get the monkey off my back um, in my personal life, I could do that with academics as well as athletics. So for me personally, and I think I've spoken with many people also who have come from families with addiction, that the perfectionism takes you to this point of extreme until that point where you can no longer maintain it. And Mm. so in academics, I actually was the person who put more on my plate. Like I chose to take Russian, which was unnecessary. (laughs) But Um, I I think it's a beautiful language. I think it is a beautiful language. So I'm glad you, you went that step. Yeah, I love language. And so when somebody asked me more recently in my life said, why did you take Russian? I said, because German wasn't available. And they said, oh, that's so interesting. And I said, um, so I had that overachiever um, quality in me at that time. So, But I also had a, um, a real deep struggle with sleep. I, hmm. I actually, to your point about maintaining workload, I on the night before our home opener – our very first season game at Valdosta State, I fell asleep, taking a nap, woke up late, ran down to the gym, bursted open the gym doors, the arena doors, and was crying. I was just so traumatized. I'm like, tomorrow's the big game. And my coach yelled at me. He said, get the hell out of here. You're not playing tomorrow. You can't even dress. And I was like, oh my God, my first college game, I was benched in civvies. Like I just wasn't even allowed to play because I had this, what I didn't know at the time and circling back to the back injury and the car running me over was that the defects that were in my lumbar spine were fractures and the fractures in my back were not healed. They weren't acknowledged. So I didn't even know that they existed. And that created a problem with my central nervous system where I could never wake up. Like it was a constant burden. And that impacted actually my athletic and academics as well. So when you're talking about like that overload, this, I had not only a lumbar spine disability, but what I didn't know then was that I also had like a central nervous sleep disorder. Oh my goodness. And it's hard enough because we know people that are committed to overachievers and, and sort of almost a perfectionism concept. A lot of high-end athletes are like that. Uh, and hopefully you try and parlay that into academics. Um, <clears throat> I might not have, um, but I eventually came around. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's so hard because they want to do more. And like you said, you piled more on your plate. But the funny thing is that that's actually how most entrepreneurs run we're wired that way and sleep is already an issue. And then the fact that your body is constantly in a a state of disrepair, I'm going to call it, you're probably burning so many more energies or calories and all your energy pathways are probably completely out of whack. I can totally understand that. Um, And that's hard to, to deal with. I'm kind of glad you did. And and obviously got through school and you were a constant student as far as I've ever figured out as in our conversations and looking at LinkedIn and other things, but you're always striving. You're always studying. You're always learning. Even from our conversations, I can tell that we both take a lot of notes off each other, which is really cool. I love it. Um, that's going to lead me to create the most joy because now you've gone from this burdened, stressed out, overachieving barely sleeping student and a student athlete, you know, fast forward quite a few years, we're going to jump ahead here, but you know, you've come up with this thing and it's create the most joy. Where the heck did that come from? Thank you. It's, uh, so in my mid to late twenties, after my volleyball career had 
subsided, my circle, my social circle really expanded um, beyond athletes. And it included mainly artists. Um, just that was what was gifted to me in my social realm. So Jeffrey Ahern, he was one of the instrumental characters in my life. He's one of my best friends. He came into my life at the helm of my beach volleyball career, which was okay. Well, sort of ending actually after another injury that led me to stop oh. playing. But he came up to me and said, I want you on my advisory committee for a don't drive by an anti-violence sort of like gun violence wow. project because he saw how um, passionate I was about, um, you know, just being active in community and education and coaching and that kind of thing. So I joined him and he is a fine artist. So when we teamed up, we actually um, ended up going to the World Scholar Athlete Games together in Rhode Island. So after Valdosta State, which I didn't wow. mention, but um, I left Valdosta State after one semester and transferred to the University of Rhode Island and actually spent most of my athletic career there. And then so Rhode Island has the Institute for International Sport, which hosted the World Scholar Athlete Games. And so together we, we went down as um, athletic and artist coaches. From there, my artist community connections grew. So musicians. Um, so there's a Celtic band called the Sheridan Band in Ontario that <laughs> I became friends with. And they um, w were part of my my artist friends. So when I had a birthday party in my 20s, I was looking around going like, wow, just everybody in my life brings me so much joy. How can I share this joy? So it was a very simple moment of clarity that the people around me were really instrumental in creating joy. So I wanted to share that. And then I asked many of my friends, would you be willing to be in an indie music festival event called Create the Most Joy? And the compliment lottery, which is um, one of the aspects of the joy kit that Create the Most Joy houses, uh, we can talk about it too, but it's the compliment lottery is how I felt like everyone around me in my life was so kind and full of love and, and brought so much joy into my life that I would be sharing compliments with them. And I felt like I was the compliment lottery and everyone <laughs> was a winner. So that's where it was sort of born. Just like this love for everyone in my life. And I'm going to cut you off because I got a digital copy of the joy kit and while I haven't hit print and put it into, you know, I, I want to go a little over the top. I want to push her to get really, really crazy cards and stuff like this. But I'm putting some of the things into practice already in my life and my family and the neighbors. Like those are the ones that I took out of it, just going through the joy kit. Uh, folks, if you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, you better go to create the You'll figure it out. The joy kit is what we are talking about. So you can grab it digitally and, and check out all the details there. There's some really cool things like come and knock on my door. Uh, that's such a simple thing, right? Like if you need milk or sugar, come on over, honey. Um, but, but that being said, I mean, we forget about these things and our neighbors, we've changed from even when I was a kid. Now, uh, granted, I'm just uh, a little older than Marie about a decade. Uh, but, um, when I was a little boy, I remember everybody would go next door to help. Oh, I need some eggs. I need some sugar. I'm making some cookies. I'll bring you some when I'm done. Did it all the time. And we barely even talk to our neighbors these days. When you look around, they don't know who each other are. They don't know one door. Well, two doors over, they know one door, maybe three doors, but the whole street, nobody knows anymore. So, so that's one that really hit me. And, you know, my neighbors just went to Quebec. Um, going on a ski trip, picking up a new dog, which is cool. 
And it was garbage day. So I said, Hey, look, do I need to take your garbage in for you? And, you know, he says, no, no, the, the boy's home. He won't be up for about another seven hours or so, but if it's still there tomorrow, please take it into the garage for me. Here's the code. Um, <laughs> so, so I like this idea of creating more joy or create the most joy. I like the idea of sharing compliments. It feels good to give compliments I personally think, Marie, and going through it has reminded me it feels better to give compliments than it is to receive them. And most of us are wired the other way. Hey, tell me how great I am and let me go do something. And um, so this has reminded me to get back to that roots of of sharing and loving and caring and, and just telling people how great they are. And that's actually what Empowered Podcast is all about, empowered conversations with great people doing great things to empower others. So you've empowered me to get back to that. So so thank you. I know I went into a little ramble there, folks, but createthemostjoy.com. Check that out. Look at her uh, her joy kits. And there's a lot of other things we'll talk about as we go. So thank you again, Marie, for reminding me to get back to my focus. Oh, you're welcome. And the joy kit really, it has, you know, the four segments. It's the compliment lottery, the curious questions, and then the play cards. Um, and then the door knockers, which anyone can print out, cut and paste. You can hang them in your own uh, home. Like, all of these can be used in schools, uh, in corporations. Um, and they're, you know what, it really comes from this place of like, how can we find out more about one another and see that we're all really interesting behind the scenes? You know, the most boring person we perceive actually is probably really interesting if we asked them an interesting question. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the essence of them. Yeah. And, and that uh, sort of brings in other plays. I've done sales programs. And one was selling through curiosity with Barry Ryan. Um, really interesting guy. He's very eccentric, but man, this guy helps us to remember to keep asking questions to really understand why, 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 why. And he actually put us through an exercise that was five whys. It sucked. Uh, but eventually you figure it out and you just keep saying, why that, why this, why that, why that? Like you just keep going and explain this um, so I, I like your idea that it's, it's about asking questions to really get to that point, to understand what they want. And, and folks, we're talking about, you know, we got the empowered community here, but we're talking about joy for our friends and family, joy for myself and Marie and others, but like you can apply this to anything. In fact, there's even one on the website, joy for realtors, you know, like they can apply these things and it's not hard to do. Um, Tell me a little bit about Joy for Realtors and then we'll get on another tangent that I really want to hit. Sure. Yeah. So conceptually, conceptually, Joy for Realtors is the opportunity to include a joy kit um, in any of your distribution channels as a realtor. So it could be, hmm. for example, um, mini samplers or the full joy kit printed and delivered to the neighbors in the community where somebody has just purchased. So let's say my realtor, his name is Adrian Jones. He helps me buy a home. In theory, he could distribute this joy kit to the neighbors around the home that I bought. And yes, it could have his name or not have his name. It's whatever that realtor would want. Right. Or just say, there's a new neighbor in your home. Enjoy this joy kit. I hope you get a chance to meet them. Or, you know, and it it's however that realtor would like to employ this, this concept. Even in open houses, you could have like a table of samplers for people who come in and out um, just with compliments and curious questions. Yeah, I really, the compliments and curious questions, I could totally see that applied. I also goes back to, hey, we don't really know some of our neighbors. And now I feel like a bum because I admitted that. Um, I will go out of my way to make sure I know them better. But we can use that when we move into a new neighborhood. 
hey, I just moved in. Here's my door hanger. If you need anything, come knock, right? Like that's, that's really cool. Come ask me for it. Going back to your, your questions. Okay. So I want to get at this because there's two things that you're doing that got me so excited when we first started talking. Uh, we went through the, the preliminary book that you have and, um, mommy's freaking out. <laughs> I think it's such a simple thing. And when we read it together and we did daddy, by the way, as well, and we read it together, um, over the screen, she shared it with me, which was super cool. And thank you. But like everything resonated. I'm like, yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Like I couldn't even say anything except giggle and say yes, as we went through each page and they're so simple. Where did that come from? So mommy's freaking out is so true because it's mommy's freaking out. Like, <laughs> I think even if you're not a mom or a dad, um, personally, you've had a mom or dad or some form of a mom and dad in your life. You know, even if you didn't know your biological parents, you've had some kind of or a couple of them like who, me. Who's, <laughs> yeah. Or who's freaked out. Like even teachers, like I, even my son, he comes home sometimes and says, the teacher was freaking out today. <laughs> I was I like, it. so really mommy's freaking out is like, you know, the series of Mr. Grumpy, Miss Sunshine yes, in those totally. mini, mini book styles. Um, they read in that way. And I have absolutely no drawing skills. <laughs> so the images are, are stick figures and they acknowledge many of the little arrows that point to the drawings acknowledge this lack of skill, but they, they for example, one of the titles um, of the series of the mommy and daddy books are, um, is mommy's freaking out is the first one that was born from me freaking out. Um, okay. but the other ones are like mommy's getting off and, you know, in the end she's getting off the crazy train or, um, mommy's going to blow and the, she's making plans and the next page, the plans are blowing up. You know, this is just their, um, commentary on real life experiences. I totally agree. They really are. And it's almost like the sarcasm in each one. And yet we're all going, that is so real. That's not even a joke. It's. It's happening every single day to all of us and none of us are perfect. And that's why this thing resonated so much. And I'm like, yeah, that's not mommy. That's daddy. That's me um, <laughs> to half of them, if not more. I, I really enjoyed it and had fun doing that. Um, but I mean, do these come from fictional situations or maybe you relate to them a little more? What was the inspiration? Okay, so many of the stories of the mommy and daddy books, so like mommy in the car seat was literally inspired one night, my friend, Renee Charette, her name is in the book dedicated to her. She sent a voice message to me and another friend panting, just like, I just put the car seat in. I can't take this. I'm either really out of shape or this car seat is the devil. Like, is this? And so when I received that, I was like, oh, mommy in the car seat. And then so oh my the story is like really reflects how painful it is to put in a car seat. And <laughs> so it's, it just really, most of them came from other friends sharing and, um, other friends. Of yes. Course I really not think. you. No, not at all. Never. Sorry, I couldn't help it because I'm thinking of the car seat and I remember doing that and they've got infinitely easier. Um, but man, 2000, well, I have an 18 year old, 16 year old and a 13 year old, as you know. So the car seats I had were better than what my parents had, but 
even I hated them. So I totally get it. I relate to that a hundred percent. I actually do remember, you can put this in a book one day if you want. I remember one of our child, I won't say which one, people will probably figure it out because they all know like number one does this, number two does this, number three does this. Um, one of our children just refused. She, oh, I said she, one of the children was super strong and um, very, um, you know, just she's focused. She'll, she'll do what she wants. I remember actually having to get her in the chair, plop her in there. And, and unofficially, in a nice way, loving way, kneel on her chest in a way that, or belly, if you will, it's probably more belly, just so I could get the straps done up. And, and I totally remember that. And yet I remember putting the darn seat in before that. So I relate to that oh, absolutely. And it's painful, but we all have these situations. I'm not the only one that's had to pin your kid in to put the seatbelt on. Um, I know that and I'm the only one. <laughs> so I know, I know. Don't worry. No one's calling children's services. I've had to pin. Oh gosh. That's a whole other ball game, but like blood tests and needles, that's a whole other ball game <laughs> for Absolutely. parents with the children with medical needs. Oh my gosh. Yeah, for sure. So yes. Yeah, so they're all just to, um, laugh and they hopefully, um, right now they're 19, the 20th, 20th one maybe will come, uh, soon. And I will hopefully have them up on the website for purchase and print, um, awesome. by my 40th birthday, which is in July. July. Sounds good. That's uh, we'll set a mm -hmm. little date. Um, so we're going to put an accountability calendar in here. I might have to make a note of this. Uh, actually, I'm going to put a marker right here inside of our video. So we'll have it for later. So July, we're going to have these all printed and on the website properly um, the way that you want them, the way that you envision them. And I know that we're talking about doing some other things too. So keep an eye on createthemostjoy.com because there's something cool coming. We've been talking about the new space of, of Web3 and crypto and NFTs, which is something I'm pretty excited about. But I want to talk about you again. I'm going to go back to you. Um, okay. I'm going to say one, well, I guess it's two words, but I write it as one. And I hope everybody here can sort of have a chuckle out of it or actually enjoy it and understand what we're talking about. But I'm going to say it. Booger snacks. Um, <laughs> I've said what the heck <laughs> yes. to the last two things, but booger snacks? Like, seriously, what are booger snacks? Yes, folks, it may be that. We'll find out in a minute. Where or why booger snacks? Yeah, so <laughs> since many of us were children, had friends who picked their nose, and there are still adults who do pick their nose, um, my son... Um, he's featured on createthemostjoy.com with yes. the t-shirts associated with the brand Booger Snacks. Um, and the idea behind it is really just boogers are not snacks. Don't eat your boogers. <laughs> um, even though medically, you know, a lot of people actually swallow that, you know, but to actually like inspect and then re-ingest, it's very disgusting. <laughs> and so to educate my child, we created these sayings together which is like boogers are nose poop don't eat poop um, lovely fact one, booger... <laughs> yeah exactly fact one boogers are salty fact two no one should know that um boogers are not snacks um and then the fourth one's eluding me but it's on the site and so when we created these t-shirts the idea is that he can now build booger snacks the brand in mm -hmm. his own way 
people can use them for fundraising. Um, and further to this conversation with you, Patrick, um, is the potential for booger snacks, which mm-hmm. was the original plan around a con- an edible item, whether it's <laughs> um, the gummy that's coming to be um, or my son's, you know, ideas for it to to come forward. So we're in the works on creating a booger snacks um, yes. food item. That would be super cool. And I've got some friends listening right now that I know that are in that space. And so, hey, look, guys, I won't drop your names, girls. Um, I've already talked to a couple of them to get in touch with myself or Marie, find us on LinkedIn and just say, hey, look, want to know more about your booger snacks and uh, maybe you can help out. So I know a bunch of people doing uh, in the gummy space right now in the supplement category, sports nutrition category, which is also kind of cool because kids need healthy stuff too, not just boogers Um, and not just straight sugar either. So please, exactly. hey, reach out to Marie and find her on LinkedIn or createthemostjoy.com. You'll see like boogers are not snacks. Boogers are nose poop. Don't eat poop. Like, okay, that's clear. I will not eat poop. Um, I've got it. <laughs> so, and boogers are not candy. Um, you know, these are pretty obvious, but it's funny because we all relate to that. And um, I just, I actually, Marie, I love and jokingly say it. I love saying booger snacks. Um <laughs> For some reason, it just resonates. And I'm not one of those guys. Uh, I saw one this morning dropping my daughter off at high school uh, for her special baking and cooking um, course that she takes. But um, I looked over and there was a guy doing booger snacks. And I laughed because I knew we were having this conversation today. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, you can't do that. Um, I also like the fact that you mentioned that we're not supposed to inspect them and put them back in. They're Exit only, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> these are crazy things. Yeah. And and I love and that so, you yeah. you have that passion. Like when I opened up this conversation with you a while ago, and when I opened up this podcast specifically, I said that Marie was this creator. And, you know, you can't manufacture creators. They either have it in them or they don't. Um, the other thing too is you're an entrepreneur. Uh, you've come from this place where... You know, like you said, as, as a child, you had to escape from one situation, however difficult or bad, or we don't know that. I'm not going to ask that, of course, but you found the escape in academics and athletics, which is amazing. And then you became this overachiever who almost didn't mind getting run over so she could take a different path. I think you're crazy, just like me, but um, that's a good thing. And then you become this creative spirit. I mean, you know, I don't know how big your event got, but it sounds like it was going to turn into uh, the Woodstock event of Canada, of Ontario here. Um, whole lot of loving and, and joy going on. So I think that's pretty cool. Being an entrepreneur, though, and being a creator, whether you call yourself a creator or not, and I've only recently started saying that I am a creator because I am a creative marketing and sales strategist. That's what I do. But I love helping others. And because now I'm doing the podcast and I like doing web stuff and Um, creative thinking for other groups and teams. Now that you have embraced this creator mode, um, how do you stay energized and focused? How do you keep going? Thank you for asking this. You know, how do you keep going? I think to touch back on the fact that um, I I more recently had reconstruction surgery in my back to repair the breaks, which I had for 20 years that this, physical restructuring from which I'm still recovering 
has put into perspective the amount of pain I lived with Mm. um, and what was required to continue moving. Because I know that now, now knowing what I know now about like my structure of my body, that I should have been in a wheelchair on ODSP, which is the Ontario Disability Support Program, like on opiates. Like that, that would have been the trajectory had I maybe known that I had broken bones or maybe I would have had surgery a long time ago. But either way, the willpower that I required to keep moving at this point in my life, I don't think I could replicate that because it was required to overcome so much pain and so much challenge in my own physical frame that now when you ask what keeps you moving, it's having boundaries around what is good for me, what is healthy for me as a human, then a mom and then a woman. So these, this is a new space that I'm navigating. And I think many parents, um, maybe it's a 40 thing, a post 40 thing, I don't know, or post trauma thing, whatever it is, it's a new space to be in. And it's um, empowering um, to have that. Yeah, it's empowering to have this capacity to voice like, wow, that does not seem healthy or good for me. So I'm gonna say no. I totally get Uh, it. Um, Oddly enough, you know, I like to ride a lot of bikes. People know that about me now. Uh, I don't look like a cyclist, but you know, whatever. Uh, I do very well. I enjoy it. But you know, I was in really good shape and you know, at 40, oddly enough, I turned 40 and a few weeks later, that was April 19th. And uh, a few weeks later, I did something silly. My daughter wasn't in a great mood and I, I did a stupid little dance and a wiggle and my dog he was about a 70 pound uh, Weimaraner. So he's a very healthy, strong sporting dog jumps up and hits me in the hips. And I've got this sketchy L4, L5 problem to start with. Some people know that. And it hit me in such a way that it put the L4 one way, the L5, the other way. And they both sat on both discs and the nerve got pinched. Done. Didn't walk for eight weeks. And I remember going through that and we had just built and sold one of our uh, companies an HR tech firm. And I was working with the company that took it over And I was still trying to do demos. And I remember, and we talked about this, the opioid route was not for me. And I'm so glad that it wasn't for you eventually either. Like I I took, they gave me a a bottle of like 50 Oxycontin and I took one and went, whoa, that's insane. Something's wrong. I couldn't handle it. I also know I have an addictive personality. So I just stay away from stuff like that too, because you never know what's going to happen, right? What triggers you? But, uh, and then there was a bunch of other pills they gave me too on top of that. So one for inflammation, one for pain, one for like just taking the brain away and crazy. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful and I have a beautiful live edge piece of wood stand up desk here, knocking on it for you at 40. You don't have uh, the situation I had because I didn't walk for eight weeks. Um, but again, going from that debilitating category, nothing near what you had, of course, growing up. Um, I did not get run over by a truck, just felt like that some mornings, but, um, we're talking about college back then folks, in case you're wondering what I meant. Uh, but you know, Hey, you've become this creator. You become a vibrant energy. You've embraced all the good stuff you've repaired, you've healed, you've, you've had your son, you, you know, you take care of them and you keep going now as an entrepreneur and you're unleashing 
this joy on everybody else, uh, along with some booger snacks, which I think is pretty ex excellent and exciting. Um, so Marie, I'm going to ask you something just real quick. We didn't talk about it, but what's got you excited today? Definitely being here, being able to share some of my story that I haven't shared publicly. That's really exciting because it means nice. that I'm sitting comfortably in <laughs> my past, not sitting in my past, but sitting comfortably in what my past meant for me today. And then also really excited. Um, yeah, I guess, you know what, you've really offered me perspective today, Patrick, too, awesome. on the value in being able to share our stories and the things that bring joy to other people's lives. Um, I can't say enough good things to you about connecting um, online uh, right now with people I wouldn't have been able to find to enlighten my perspectives on living well. So that's, that's exciting me. Absolutely. I love that. Um, I would say, you know, when it comes to creating the most joy and exciting perspectives that you've given us, I, I refer back to everybody. We all have some mental challenges and issues. We all have struggles. We all have demons and things to battle. It's whether you're willing to persist and overcome like Marie did. And whether you're willing to take that and embrace where you're at at that point in time and make it better. It doesn't matter if you're a creator, an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter if you're an athlete or an academic genius. It's a matter of whatever your chosen path is can you be the best at what you do? And that doesn't mean being the best. It means just being the best at what you do. But the perseverance and overcoming, I think is what I got the most out of this empowered conversation with you, Marie. I'm super excited to see where everything goes. I can't wait to uh, see more booger snacks and more joy kits out there and continue to share with this. So Marie, as we're just going to wrap up here, I'm curious, what's the best way to find you or get in touch with you? Yeah. So the website, createthemostjoy.com is where you can find anything that I'm up to. But if anybody wanted to reach out directly to me, createthemostjoytoday at gmail.com. That was pretty easy. Createthemostjoytoday at gmail.com and createthemostjoy.com. And find yourself oh, a can joy. Can I add? Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. Please. <laughs> can I can I add something? Because uh, again, since I avoided social media for a decade, <laughs> I just started an Instagram account called at Mommy's Freaking Out, which will eventually house sort of um, how I share some of the mommy and daddy books as they come out too. So at Mommy's Freaking Out okay. on Instagram, I guess you can find me there too. There we go. We got another one, and of course she's on LinkedIn, just the way that we connected. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead and find her there as well. So. Marie, I just want to say thank you so much. I know we've got more conversations mm -hmm. to have and we got some more plans to do together and things like that and just keep motivating, inspiring and, and giving each other more joy and growth in business and entrepreneurship. Uh, I thank you already for the short time we've spent talking over the last little more than a month. Um, I can say that you've become a friend in business and I think we have uh, a great time. Folks, just so you know, we've had great conversations. It's so fun. It's joy. And um, I look forward to seeing more for Create the Most Joy. And I see more people all over the world getting involved in this type of a movement to uh, just give others joy and, and be curious and share compliments, uh, which that's the good energy I get from you. So I want to say mm -hmm. thank you very much, Marie. Thank you very much to our community, the Empowered Community. Thank you for listening to Empowered Podcast with Patrick McGuire. I'm your host where I like to have great conversations with empowered people. I change it up. 
that are doing great things to help others and empower them. Uh, you can find me at empoweredpodcast.ca, empoweredentrepreneur.ca. They'll get you the both to the same place or find me on LinkedIn. Again, thanks to LinkedIn Livestream giving us this opportunity to share, but also on our podcast uh, as that comes out on all your social podcast platforms. Have yourself a great day and be empowered, my friends. Marie, thank you so much. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, everybody. Hey, sports fans, players, parents, coaches. There's only one thing to be said about youth amateur sports. That is, love your sports experience. RosterLogics is a sports management registration and payments platform developed by coaches and parents to increase trust, transparency, communications, and compliance so you can focus on what matters most and love your sports experience. If you want a better sports experience, check out rosterlogics.com with an X. That's R-O-S-T-E-R-L-O-G-I-X.com. Rosterlogics.com for a better sports experience. NFTs are hot. What's more exciting is where NFTs are going and what else they can do. NFTs don't have to be simple little JPEGs or digital images. Utility, my friends, that is the next big thing for NFTs and crypto. Meaning... What can you do with NFTs? What will they unlock for you? And what will they give you access to? Well, NFX company, the non-fungible experience company, is changing that. They are the future of NFTs by including experiences and collectibles for the NFX community. Discover the future of NFTs at nfxco.com. That's nfxco.com. Empowered. A Blue Mex podcast is hosted by Patrick McGuire and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. Empowered Podcast may be compensated by sponsors, products, or services in this show. For more empowered content, subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemex.io to join us on Discord.